0: Hi! Hello! Thank you for tuning in to the Talk About It Mate podcast. In this podcast, we're letting you in on the ground floor of the next mental health revolution. Fundamentally, people want to be seen and heard, and it doesn't take a professional to provide that. Peer support is transforming people's lives, and we're going to show you how it's done. We'll start each podcast with a check-in, where we'll describe our here and now feelings. Think how you would honestly respond if someone asked you, how are you? Then, we'll choose a topic and talk. From our own experiences about what that means to us.
1: No direct questions, no advice, no disagreement, just open listening and validation.
0: And at the end, we'll check out. How are you now? And that's it.
1: Alongside the podcast, we'll be providing support, guidance and connection around the topic each week on our social media and on our meetup. So head there now during or after the podcast to get and
0: stay connected. But for now, let's get into it. Right, mate. Good to see you. yeah uh, You okay? Yeah, I'm good.
1: I'm feeling very relaxed. I slept very well last night, which is unusual for me.
0: No, I didn't because the the dog kept me up all night. Uh, <laughs> and I was on the sofa, just been for a, a, a walk in the snow. And uh, you know, when like you, you come back and you're just like, I've got a million things to do, but you, you haven't really thought about it. And I'm like, but now I'm here and I've seen you, I feel a lot better.
1: I think I prefer those days, though, when I've got a million things to do because when I've got a million things I could do. <laughs> it's a little bit more disconcerting than actually when you just have to get stuff done. And, and if anyone wasn't aware of when we filmed this, you've just set them right in the scene um, that it's snowing outside. So it's obviously a winter little... wonderland. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it, yeah, it's great to, it's great to get started on, on this new season of the podcast. So why don't we just crack on and get straight to the, the first check-in of season three of the podcast. I'm feeling very positive today. Just, just, a few things sort of lining up. A few little niggles earlier on in the week. I've got a new job starting soon that I'm pretty anxious about something going wrong, just because there's a lot in my mind riding on that happening after such a long period of being out of work. You know, we're coming off the back of the furlough and the, the pandemic situation. We're still in that, but you know, for me, I've not actually been working for such a long time that I've had a lot of anxiety about that. But just a little conversation with my prospective boss and. I'm feeling a lot
0: better and I'm, I'm quite excited, actually. I would say that's my here and now feeling. Do you know what I would say? And I've never used this word for me, but, but this phrase laid back. I'm quite laid back. Like, yes, there's lots of things, uh, but instead of seeing them as lots of potential banana skins, I'm kind of seeing them as lots of potential opportunities. And w- what a place to be for the very first uh, podcast, you know, of this this set is that I'm starting off in a really laid back mood because I don't know if I'll ever feel like this again.
1: Well, maybe we should capture that and uh, move straight into the conversation. It might feel a bit weird to us to start with this topic based on where we're both seemingly at today, but uh, the topic for today in our 10 steps that mirror the sort of journey that we think we've been on and other people might be on is... Loneliness. I don't know if you've got any initial thoughts about loneliness that you might want to kick us off with.
0: Well, yeah, like if I'm coming at it from a, in I'm in quite a, you know, positive moment right now, but th- that's when you feel the least lonely, in my opinion. Like, because you feel so connected to your thoughts and feelings and what's going on and the things that, and then conversely, I can completely flip that and put myself in where even six or seven days ago when I felt the complete opposite to this and everything was worrying me and stressing me. And, and any kind of difficulties I've ever had with mental health have have made me feel lonely. And when you feel lonely, even if you have a lot of people around you, you can feel lonely, and then you can feel vulnerable. And, and, and this is, I think, is a really good place to, to start for me.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think something there that you mentioned that I'd never really thought of before is this idea of being connected to your own thoughts and feelings as a opposite of feeling lonely, almost, or so like, a symptom of not being lonely because actually that really is the worst loneliness is that when you don't even feel connected to yourself, because then you haven't even got your own, you know, when people talk about being your, your own biggest cheerleader, if you can't even back yourself, then you've got absolutely no one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot about, you know, how can you impact your own personal situation and, and on your good days you think, yeah, I've got this, I can do it. I, I can Take actions to address these thoughts feelings and and things that are going on and on bad days you don't feel that you can you are the same person but you're almost two completely different versions of the same person
1: That really reminds me of a when I think about loneliness I always think about those afternoons when I would wake up at a weekend and it would be literal loneliness in the sense that I'd be isolated in my bedroom self-isolation in in some respects because I was choosing that over reaching out to say my housemates or people that I know would be there for me if I felt really low but I was so depressed and so anxious because I'd self-medicated and overindulged the night before that I felt like an absolute different version of myself than I would want to identify with. If you'd met me the night before when I was in that process of um, seeking validation and throwing myself out there and meeting as many people as possible, you would have thought there's no way on earth this person would ever be anxious, would ever be depressed because I'd appear as like the life and soul of the party.
0: Well, I think we often put like a, a social mask on. i had been there, I used to be the fun time guy and and inside maybe I was a bit empty. I based all my things on other people's validation but the loneliness aspect, yeah, Drinking and and being hungover, anxiety or whatever you want to call it, beer fear the next day, is so it grips you so tight that you don't know how to treat yourself with respect. I know in my, my situation. Yeah, lots of negative self talk and why would I then want to let anybody else in on that? Because what have they got to gain from knowing what crappy stuff is going on in my head?
1: That's the transactional nature of You know, when we think about why we don't reach out, because one thing that's stark to me is that in those moments where I felt really low, I know that there's a list of people that I could speak to. I know that my family and friends have all said, you know, we're here. And especially now, there's this thing inside you when you're feeling like that, when you you are feeling very self-critical and feeling like the worst version of yourself, that you're like, well, yeah, but what do they gain from this? And that's really an unhealthy way to think about it, because it's... It shouldn't be about that should it it shouldn't be about gain or loss it's it's a completely different you know as human beings are our, our, our greatest
0: moments and when we're not in it for something we're just in it that's really helped me to to kind of reflect on where i am now and where, where i used to be when I, I was more lonely and isolated and, and 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 i wouldn't let people in and and also it the thought of even having to rake over the shit show that is the negative parts of your mind is really exhausting. And quite frankly, I don't really want to do it half the time. Back then especially, what really to counteract the loneliness I I would have needed is is connection, a friendly chat with a mate or a cup of tea with somebody or watch a movie, go to the cinema, like something to counteract that loneliness. It's the connection. Not everyone's going to want to come to a formal group and share their feelings openly because you maybe not right for them at that stage but at the same time we don't want to like say to people you don't you don't matter and, and it's absolutely fine to just want to do some exercise or eat some chocolate or do something else because if you're in a state of negativity, maybe just doing something differently can help and I, I know from my experience can help get you out of that even for a small amount of time. I think it's scary
1: to do something that feels so on the nose, like peer support or get counseling. Sometimes it's the stuff around it that can really feel like the, the stepping stone to really getting better. So if you put a different context around it, unfortunately for me, my context that I chose was nights out. Um, (laughs) You know, that was my way of sort of for a moment, not feeling alone, not feeling like my issues were the center of my universe because there was other things to focus on. But if you, can access things like, say, a walking club or a games club or a film club or a choir or something where you feel that connection through the medium of something else and that can really help you make those, those other steps or at least it has for people that we know and it has for me and you. But I think what's key in that is when you say connection, there's a massive difference between knowing that someone has acknowledged your suffering, so in a sympathetic way, so like I remember when I when I went through my probably my rock bottom the first time around, I think I probably had two similar levels of rock bottom. And I posted on Facebook, I put this big heartfelt goodbye on Facebook, like, you know, I'm leaving social media, I'm gonna look after myself, that is I'm really I'm in a really bad way. And there was this outpouring of what I would describe as sympathy. And it for a moment made me feel not alone, but those those interactions didn't develop into connections in the vast majority of cases. Yeah, I think sympathy generally is, is helpful to a very small degree, but really what you need to back that up with if you're going to get help from someone or help from our communities is that real development of empathy and understanding and real listening. That's when connection can be
0: absolutely vital to you not feeling on your own. Yeah, that's making me reflect on the quality of connections I had and, and, and I, I couldn't, I just wasn't in the right frame of mind back then when I had I had a breakdown and, um, to kind of open up to friends and family again, because they will want to step in and don't want, they don't want you to feel that way. Uh, and so, yeah, you've kind of opened up about the, the loneliness and the isolation that, that mental health troubles can bring, but that, that you kind of put, I was kind of putting, if I was doing that, I was maybe putting it onto them, as in subconsciously, I want you to save me, like, uh, because I don't, I, that's because, and I can say it now, and it's actually quite empowering to say now, because I wasn't capable of doing that for myself back then, or the conditions weren't right for me to do it. Uh, now, obviously, I can do it, and, and that's the probably the thing I'm most proud of in my life, is that self-development that I can, I've got this. It was non-existent at people talking about mental health when I was eighteen, and I was diagnosed with depression, and and that obviously marked me out as a black sheep, M- more so from myself, judgment and shame and guilt that came from it. Yeah, moving forward, it, it, it the sympathy side of things never grabbed me because it just didn't think it was real. It was like you're paying lip service to something, and, and for me, connection, it, I always like knew a lot of people and and met and hung out with a lot of people and text a lot of people, but. Really, how many of them were deeper connections and like, yeah, I've got my, my, my I'd say, lifelong friends of, of which maybe maybe three are left out of seven. And that shows that not all friends are lifelong friends, uh, whether it's because of things that I did or how they dealt with me at my lowest point, that I was almost enforced in, forced into loneliness at some points by being open and honest, but not in a, I want everybody to give me sympathy way. People didn't know how to handle that. So the connections that I was I was getting weren't working for me at that stage. And it wasn't until when I was in London, that I took the onus, the impetus myself and reached out for a counsellor. And then I went to a group in London, like a confidence and self-esteem group. And that was my first step. And, and trust me, John, I was absolutely bricking it.
1: I mean, I absolutely <laughs> know that sensation of bricking it, taking that first step. I'm a, I'm a relatively um, confident person around people and new situations, but coming to my first human group, turning up for yourself, showing up for yourself is just the scariest but most powerful thing a person can do. I think when you talk about these acquaintances almost, or, or even friends, you might call them, why they didn't develop into deeper connections in regards you know, the real important stuff. And it doesn't just have to be mental health. It can be for the good times. It can be, you know, for real support. It can be for anything, you know, those deeper connections. Where does the responsibility lie in that, you know, when I'm feeling shit, who is culpable if I continue to feel shit? When I first did that on Facebook and people did say, you know, give me a call. If you're in London, come for dinner. I didn't give them a call. I didn't Go for dinner. I didn't show up for myself. I didn't make use of that. Um. So I can think, well, no one really helped me at that point. If I was being angry and bitter about it, which I don't. I just wasn't ready to put my side of the bridge down. I wasn't ready to show up for myself. And then, serendipitously and fantastically, when I was, your bridge was down, and I turned up to that meeting about a year ago, around about now, and I've talked about this so many times. It was one of those anxious days. One of those Saturday afternoons when I felt absolutely at my lowest mental state and I could have easily stayed in bed. And I and I, I know that it was some of my negative people pleasing attitudes that got me out of that bed, but equally I knew that showing up for myself on that day was gonna be a really good thing, even if I didn't feel like it and drove into town, it was raining, Parts couldn't find parking. I, I I looked back on the conversation actually recently and I was late and I was stressing. You have to buzz to get in. And it was just, oh, it was just all the thi- all these barriers that normally if I'd been, if I hadn't been ready would have probably dissuaded me, but I showed up and my side of the bridge was down. Your side of the bridge was down. And now a year later, I can reflect and say, oh, what a moment.
0: What if that hadn't have happened? It's like breaking through new barrier, a new like a threshold. Yeah, like I have my own like step, like origin story or something, if you can call it that. I made the list. I'm gonna get some help. I signed up for to meet a counselor. I met him for coffee. I was like, right, I've got my first counsellor session. I've been onto an app called Meetup. That's the first time I've been on because I'd only done it for football before. But then I saw confidence and self esteem. I like RSVP'd to an event. Uh, and then so I'd like done a nudge I reckon I'd done like 10% but that was my nudge you know I'd just clicked a button so I, I'm still wavering there you know there's probably a good chance that I wasn't going to go to that event you know what if, there was so many chances for me to back out but then uh, the guy called Ken who ran that group and he's like a coach he, he messaged me and then he called me the next day as well and, and he just followed through on it and, and I don't know I just chatted to him he seemed very normal I thought I don't feel cut off or alienated from this conversation. I don't feel like anyone's trying to force anything on me either. Um, and I thought, no, I'm going to go. And it was yeah, it was in like a basement of a building called uh, London Jesus Centre. And I actually went to the wrong room first, which was for narcissism. <laughs> this is a narcissism support group. I was like, oh, I don't need to be here. I was talking to someone outside. I was like, I don't think I'm in the right place. So then I walk into this other room, like you said, late. And a guys doing like a talk and, and it was like, right. And I realized quite quickly, all of the other guys, I think it was like five or six of them in that room had had some kind of depression or anxiety. And it's the first time in my life I was like, oh, it's just so, like, good to just be like, I don't have to, like, hide it or, like, it it, it can inconvenience anybody. And the guy was doing a talk. He had, I remember, he had a really bad speech impediment. And he said how he'd come on in, like, three or four months. And he, he gave a speech and... Like, he'd obviously overcome such a barrier. And I, I stood up and said something. Well, I didn't even stand up. I just said something to the group. And a three of the, two or three of the guys were like, Mike, you, you don't seem like the kind of guy who would have. Like like you said, John, I was quite forthright, quite confident in many ways. But in, internally, like, we all have our, our own struggles. And, and and sometimes just by seeing other people who have also struggled, you know, if I would compare me to that guy who, who'd done all that speech, like like, I was probably in a better position. I, 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 and in a weird way, I was like, well, you know, at least I'm better off than this guy. And I know that sounded terrible at the time, but I didn't feel lonely because I connected with him. And, and then the next day, I don't know, I felt like I woke up the next day and just felt a little bit more... Yeah, I just felt different.
1: The whole crux of why loneliness is so bad and why what we do is, is predominantly to alleviate loneliness is because actually advice, sympathy, things you can give and walk away from are nowhere near as helpful as shared experience and empathy. You can't alleviate loneliness with advice. You can't say, here's how you stop being alone. Do this. The only way to, in my mind, alleviate a sense of loneliness is to be around perhaps other people who either are lonely or have felt lonely or don't
0: feel lonely and give you an insight into what that looks and feels like. When people are the right kind of people to interact with, the connections, the deeper, meaningful connections that I've made often have come from someone planting a seed. There are many people who I interact with through Talk By Mate and um, my other work that I do, and it, it, they'll come back to you six months down the line, nine months, a year later, and, and they'll remember. I, I literally just come off a phone call before doing this. I'd given a guy a card when I was t- primary teaching and supply teaching I'd given it to him. He was a PE teacher working for an external company, and his wife just called me. And that, I, I must have given that guy the card about a year ago. The butterfly
1: effect, isn't it? You know, it, yeah. little things add up, and whether that's that it just takes time for that to land with someone, or whether it's a bunch of little things. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme that's like the guy pushing over a little domino into a big domino, but I saw one yesterday. The very bottom domino was a website to rate attractiveness of females on campus. And the final domino was insurrection at Washington DC Capitol. <laughs> so I was showing that, yeah. you know, Mark Zuckerberg's incel status led to a, a civil war in America. So seven or eight years ago through the medium of Facebook, but you know, that idea <laughs> that, you know, little things add up is So true. I I talk about this all the time with anyone that gets me started on. Oh, John, you you seem in a much better place. Like it all started with loneliness. I now no longer feel lonely, and to get there, I didn't do one big thing. I didn't go to like Tibet and study with monks for six months, and I didn't eat, pray, love it. I didn't go to rehab. I didn't, you know, cut everything out of my life. What I did was I started building a routine that that meant that it was little and often it was small things showing up for myself now and then coming to peer support. Cause this, this relationship started off as me, yes, volunteering to be your part, talk about it, mate, but actually predominantly just starting off as a participant and just showing up once a week for an hour, just once a week, and then making the commitment to see a counselor and invest that money. And making the commitment to not answer the question, are you okay with a cursory, yes, no, I'm fine, yeah, whatever. Just little, little things. And over time, that's how you actually make a difference. If you do the big stuff, like it's, it's the equivalent of um, you want to lose weight, so you do like a 72-hour water fast. All right, you might lose six, seven pounds, but you'll never maintain that unless you've made the little and often type changes too. That just won't work. And for me, that's that's absolutely the biggest lesson That I've learned about this and it was realized within the last couple of months. How do you test that that little and often is working? It's very difficult until you're tested. You don't know. And there was a situation that came up in my personal life, maybe two or three months ago, that absolutely hit to the heart of my biggest insecurities and anxieties. And when I was strong enough to deal with that in an assertive, decisive, full of self-esteem kind of way, I went, whoa, whoa, there you go. There's some proof that I have done the work and there is actual tangible progress. And I couldn't have tested that without it coming up in that way. I didn't notice along the way that things were happening, but now I realise. And it all was to do with that little and
0: often type stuff. That's very powerful. And not to embarrass you, but like when we started the, the men's peer support groups back in March, April... Like you came along and 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 very, very quickly you took responsibility. Those little and often became quite evident. Some people say like, oh, I've not had anything to say or, or I didn't really get a chance to speak tonight. There's an element of responsibility there. You took that responsibility on yourself to use that time in that group for your own development. But what happened very quickly with you, the penny dropped with you. You saw how important it was. But very, very quickly, and I don't even know that you noticed it you were showing up for other people really, really quickly. Like, the strength that you'd gain from that little and often, you were automatically just giving it to others. So, like, I was running the sessions, but actually it became very easy for me to run the sessions because you were there. And most of the guys I've seen that, and especially the ones who, who you know, were heavily involved, and, and the women's group as well. Like, when you see that development of people taking responsibility, showing up little and often without expectations of what is going to happen if you wait for everything to be right you'll never do anything it wasn't until probably my third or fourth therapist that I was at a stage where something bad had happened I dropped out of a course I was struggling old wounds had been opened six or seven weeks later it was coming you know she probably she asked so I saw it coming it was coming And I just kept showing up and I probably didn't know it was coming, but it came, you know, I developed it and and I started to grow a lot from there. So, yeah, I didn't want to embarrass you or anything, but that that stages of people's process is that you are less likely to be lonely when you've developed the skills to reach out and connect in in a safe way.
1: Peer support. If I ever say to someone, oh, you should come along to peer support, you know, it's been amazing for me. The only image in my head I can imagine that those people are thinking, or that I would have thought before I became part of talk about it, mate, it's like, if you ever watch a film that has an Alcoholics Anonymous scene, or like uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when they have group therapy, and it's always a really drab, depressing, um, sort of claustrophobic atmosphere, it always makes me feel uneasy watching those scenes. But now I watch those and I, and I think that is the complete antithesis of what I experience in peer support. Because when you were talking then about giving it back to others and really thinking about what that means in our community and how actually we operate, I see peer support as being like occupational health for mental health. I think you've brought up to me before that, you know, if you break your leg or you have a serious car accident, you might need to walk on crutches or have a bar for a while or you know, have someone help you learn to walk again. And peer support is, is for me, is like that. It's not that no one's growing your bones back. They're just with you until you can do it yourself. And it's a very, very positive experience. It doesn't feel like any of those dramatized versions of peer support that I can imagine. Because actually, giving other people strength gives you strength. You get so much out of peer support, even when it's not directly your support we talk about does altruism actually exist you know can you actually be selfless because every time you help someone else you feel good about it and peer support gives you the opportunity to either be helped or help someone else at every single opportunity you're never alone whether someone's coming to you or you're coming to them it's it's just a complete symbiotic back and forth constantly flowing energy type situation if if it's working as it should which you know most of the time I find that it does in our community
0: I fell into it very much showing that like you know I'm going to start a group I'll do a blog it becomes a group you know it was like try this try this try this and it ended up to where it is and, and yeah you think therapy or, or group for group things are very like Alcoholics it, Anonymous or like it is in the movies uh, at the same time there's this idea of everyone being super 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 positive all the time which you will see quite often say like Instagram I, I, and As always, with any kind of polarised issue, the answer is usually somewhere in between. You can't go through the process without having to challenge yourself or go through something difficult. It's like our mind is messy and we're kind of working to sweep out the corners of our mind. And I really like that image. Like, it can't be perfect. So then the other side of this, like, I don't want to say toxic positivity, but like, just feel good. Like, these are the steps to feel good. I get that. Like, we're very much about lifting people up. But uh, that also doesn't chime with me. There's work to be done. Here's a safe space, which will be somewhere in between to do it. This is what it might look like, but it can look like whatever you want it to look like. And and I think we need to talk about this since it's not just the group, is it? It's like you could be taking on a hobby or you can be in a, a healthier relationship with better boundaries. There's an infinite number of things that you can be done and they're very personal to each person. So to get yourself out of loneliness i i believe is is taking ownership to do things or try things without putting too many expectations on what will happen just give it a go and 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 see what happens
1: yeah it's something that i experienced through my weight loss journey as well it's the equivalent of here's a magic diet pill just buy that and you'll be fine buy that Um, and you will instantly drop 26 pounds and you'll have a six pack and you'll be dead sexy. That's the same to me as here are the five steps to overcoming anxiety. Just do these five things because you're wanting to connect with an idea rather than with yourself or with other people. And that is enforcing loneliness and enforcing that isolation because you're disconnecting yourself from not only other people, but the very purpose of what we do, which is person-centered type approaches. I wouldn't call it necessarily therapy because obviously we do lots and lots of different things. Rather than trying to tell people what to do, we're just with you until you can find the strength to feel like you're there. And you're never quite, there's no end to that journey, is there? But, you know, that you feel stronger for just having
0: that around you. Consistent, small, positive acts build up like mental, mental fitness. And I think this is an idea that I want to run with going forward. And again, this loneliness and isolation that can come from any problems that they're having with their mental health, but it's those small actions. And, and and if you, if you brand it almost as mental fitness, just small actions to advocate for yourself and especially the, the guys who wouldn't normally talk about that and, and the guys who thought I should be like, you know, strong, good at sports, have a family, a good job, house, car, you know, like those kind of guys who, and a lot of guys would say were like susceptible to, to say, bottling up their feelings and then putting themselves in vulnerable positions or getting into debt and, and, and gambling and addictions and things like that. It, it's build a build up of mental fitness through small positive acts. Men, I suppose, like to be grouped together doing things. Man versus fat, as a as a weight loss program, is a, is a good example. Being together and doing things together can be very very empowering. And yeah, I say I just look at a guy who might come to one out of three of our meetings and just gets on with things, and might have bad days and might have good days still is taking some positive actions, whether it's a difficult session or the best session you've ever been in. It shows a lot of courage, I think, on a daily basis just to do something like that. And yeah, maybe I could apply that for my diet or something. Like the way that I eat, I don't eat enough fruit. Maybe if I just have a banana and an apple a day and build it up from there. It often is just small, simple, positive actions can alleviate and you know the loneliness. I
1: think sometimes we think with alleviating any issue and loneliness probably being the heart of most mental health issues, I would say, or the biggest symptom of most mental health issues. It doesn't have to be as it is purported in in a lot of masculine culture, especially if you look at the sports documentary, All or Nothing, when you think about sport, when you think about achievement, it is considered in that way. It doesn't have to be All or Nothing. So if you're looking to combat loneliness, little acts of self-compassion and courage one after the other, as quickly as you can go or as slowly as you have to, can lead to dramatic changes in your outlook. And on that note, I guess uh, little and often throughout this conversation, maybe we should think about checking out, seeing how we're feeling here and now and reflecting on how we might change through the conversation. I
0: felt very laid back to begin with. Uh, I've shifted. I feel like but more to my kind of not anxious self, but there's a, there's a an urgency about me that's come probably be as I've been motivated by this chat. Really, it is to like keep going with the projects. Yeah, it I just feel quite motivated. I'd say is the word that I'm checking out with.
1: It's difficult not to end every conversation with you with a with a checkout like that. Yeah, I think always when we have these conversations, I feel present and energized. I'd say beyond that, I'm feeling more aware of where I was actually than when I checked in. Like when I checked in I thought I was in a particular place. But actually as this conversation went along, it sort of unraveled things in me. So so actually I'm feeling a bit more awake, maybe. I don't know if that would count as an emotion. Like I, I think I came into the conversation a bit more lost in my head than I probably realised. I think sometimes that's the power of of just speaking. Um can can wake you up to how you're actually feeling. So that's how I'm feeling right now. Um, And yeah, it's been a great conversation. Thanks, Mike.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And I'm looking forward for what's to come.
1: Lots of exciting things to come. Lots of exciting things going on in the community. And I'll see you next
0: time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate your interest in what we do. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe, share, or review this podcast. And if you'd like to have a chat, Join a session or just have some fun, then come find us at Talk About It, mate, on all social media.